book two chapter seven of strangers and pilgrims this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by john brandon strangers and pilgrims by mary elizabeth brayton book two chapter seven the good explore for peace those realms where guilt can never soar the proud the wayward who have fixed below their joy and find this earth enough for woe loss in that one they're all perchance a might but who in patience parts with all delight mrs chevenix descending to her drawing-room in state after the restorative effects of a leisurely breakfast in bed and a gradual an easy toilet her dress prepared for the reception of morning callers her complexion refreshed with violet powder was horrified at finding her niece prostrate on the threshold of the back drawing-room but when mrs chevenix and her maid had administered the usual remedies with a good deal of rushing to and fro and the girl's haggard eyes reopened on the outer world her first care was to assure them that the fainting fit was of no importance she had been a little over fatigued last night that was all i can't imagine what made you get up so preposterously early this morning child said mrs chevenix rather impatiently instead of trying to recruit your strength as any sensible young woman would have done how can you expect your complexion to last if you go on in this way you are as dark under the eyes as if you had not slept an hour for the last fortnight good looks are very well in their way elizabeth but they won't stand such treatment as this go up to your room and lie down for an hour or two and let mason give you one of my globules elizabeth shrugged her shoulders impatiently globules for the cure of her disease infinitesimal doses for the healing of that great agony how foolish a thing this second childishness of comfortable and motionless middle age is this fool's paradise of pet poodles and homeopathy this empty senile existence which remains for some men and women when feeling and passion are dead and gone you know i don't believe in homeopathic medicine she said turning her tired head aside upon the pillow of the sofa where they had laid her with a look of utter weariness and disgust or in any other medicines indeed i was never ill in my life that i can remember and i am not ill now let me lie here i feel as if i could never get up again as long as i live a natural consequence of over-excitement said mrs chevenix shut the folding doors mason in case any one should call and bring miss luttrell the coverpeed from the sofa in my bedroom you shall have a mutton-chop and a pint of moselle for your luncheon lizzie and if lord paulyn should come before luncheon i shan't allow him to see you lord paulyn cried the girl with a shiver let me never hear his name again as long as i live he has broken my heart mrs chevenix received this wild assertion with a stony stare of bewilderment 
my dearest lizzie what are you dreaming of she exclaimed pleased to think that mason had departed in quest of the coverpede before this strange utterance i am sure that poor young man is perfectly devoted to you who wants his devotion cried elizabeth impatiently has he ever been anything but a torment to me oh yes i know what you're going to say she exclaimed interrupting anne chevenie's half-uttered exclamation in that case why did i encourage his attentions if i did so i hardly knew that i was encouraging them it was rather pleasant to feel that other people thought a great deal more of me on account of his silly infatuation and he is not the kind of man who would ever be much the worse for any disappointment in that way it would be too preposterous to suppose that he has a heart capable of feeling deeply about anything except racehorses this was said half listlessly yet with an air which implied that the speaker was trying to justify herself and was half doubtful of the force of her own reasoning no heart ejaculated mrs chevenie indignantly why i do believe that young man is all heart i'm sure the warmth of his attachment to you is a very strong proof of it no heart indeed if you had spoken of your tall curate now with his rigid puritanical expression of countenance just the look of an icono what's his name a man who would chop the noses off the saints on the carved doors of a cathedral i should think if you had talked of his having no heart i might have agreed with you aunt chevenie said elizabeth starting up from her pillow if you ever dare to say one word in disparagement of malcolm ford i shall hate you i am almost tempted to hate you as it is for being at the root of all my misery don't put your finger upon an open wound you have no occasion to run him down now he is nothing more to me he came here this morning not an hour ago to give me up i meant to tell you nothing about this but you would have found it out somehow i dare say before long and it is just as well that you should know at once he came to give me up of his own accord our dream of happiness was very short was it not and he has ended it of his own free will it would hardly have seemed so strange if i had been tempted away from him for so far as the offer of a brilliant position in this world can tempt a penniless parson's daughter i have been tempted yet heaven knows my faith never wavered for a moment but he had heard something about lord paulin and me had seen some silly paragraph in the newspaper and came to give me up even if i had been inclined to exculpate myself he gave me no opportunity he would hardly let me speak and it was not for me to supplicate for a hearing so i let him go without an effort to detain him almost as coldly as he renounced me and you acted like a woman of spirit in so doing cried mrs chevenie triumphantly indeed nothing could be more delightful to her than this intelligence sue to him indeed exculpate yourself to him that would be rather too much i congratulate you my dear girl upon having released yourself from a most unfortunate and mistaken engagement it might have been all that said the girl shrinking from her aunt's soothing caress 
with a shiver but unluckily i love the man i loved you once she repeated dreamily going back to her interview with malcolm ford oh god that i should live to hear him say that i loved you once my dearest child it was not in human nature that such an engagement as that could endure you handsome accomplished admired with peculiar opportunities of social success this with a swelling pride in that dainty little establishment in eden place south and in herself as the sole source of these opportunities he an obscure provincial curate a man who entering the church somewhat late in life has actually started at a disadvantage not even a particularly agreeable or good-looking person and i feel sure that when reason and experience have come to your aid lizzie you will confess the baselessness of your infatuation when experience has made me a hard worldly old woman like lady paulyn i may begin to see things in that light said elizabeth bitterly but please don't talk to me any more about mr ford respect his name as you would if he were dead as if he were dead she repeated could i be any more unhappy if he were lying in his grave do not be afraid that i shall talk of the man exclaimed mrs chevenix indignantly i am too much disgusted with his conduct to choose the very time in which his prospects began to improve as i conclude his uncle has left him something to throw you off however i thank providence that your future may be fifty times more brilliant than any position which he could offer you at his best elizabeth said nothing but sat with fixed eyes staring at empty space could it be that he was indeed dead to her that he would not come back oh surely not that parting could not be final it was not possible that he could pluck her from his heart so easily she who on her side felt as if she were verily a part of himself a mere subordinate being that could have no existence without him she felt all this in spite of her season of independent pleasure in spite of these last few months in which he had had no share in her life her lower instincts had been gratified by those vanities and dissipations the nobler half of her being belonged to him and held itself apart from all the world besides he will come back to me she said to herself if i had not thought that i could never have let him go i should have grovelled at his feet thrown myself between him and the door clung to him as a shipwrecked sailor clings to a floating spar rather than let him leave me for ever buoyed up by this belief elizabeth supported her existence with a tolerable show of calm was even able to go to a dinner-party that evening a dinner in montague square at which there was no fear of meeting lord paulyn looked very lovely in spite of her pallor if not her best sang and talked and laughed with that low melodious laugh which was one of her fascinations and altogether delighted mrs chevenix who had expected to see her niece stricken down utterly for a day or two he will come back to me the girl was saying to herself all that evening 
there will be a letter perhaps waiting for me when we go home all that day she had been expecting his return or at least some tender remorseful letter but the day had passed and he had made no signs then she told herself that his anger could hardly cool all at once he had been very angry no doubt though he had borne himself like a rock not all at once could he discover how essential she was to his life how eager she was for the return to eaton place how more than usually wearisome seemed that endless small talk about flower shows and picture galleries and opera singers and classical music she fancied how the letter would be handed to her by her aunt's serving-man the dear letter with its superscription in that noble hand how she would snatch it from the salver and run up to her own room to devour its contents in happy solitude she could almost fancy how it would begin my dearest forgive me they were at home at last but the serving-man who looked sleepy brought her no salver any letters plumber she asked with a well-assumed carelessness no ma'am did you expect anything particular mrs chevenix inquired no only i thought there might have been one from gertie or di what can people at hawley have to write about said her aunt contemptuously the girl went straight to her room heartsick he will come back to me to-morrow she said to-morrow came but brought no tidings of malcolm ford a dreary day the longest elizabeth ever remembered in her life which had contained many days that were dull enough and blank enough in all conscience lord paulyn came as he had come on the previous afternoon but he was not allowed to see miss luttrell she was ill the chevenix told him really prostrate such a sensitive nature dear lord paulyn so much imagination the excitement of that play was too much for her i'm afraid i must take her down to brighton for change of air the viscount departed unwillingly displeased at this interruption of his smaller pleasures the trifling talk and tea-drinking in the hour he had want of old to devote to more masculine diversions horsey talk at a horsey club or a lounge at tattersall's but although he was thus banished by the diplomatic matron elizabeth was not really ill she was only white and wan with blank tearless eyes the living image of despair not in a condition to be seen by a young nobleman who aspired to decorate her brow with a coronet a lifeless creature whose tenure of happiness hung on a thread would he come or write would he forgive her and take her back to his heart why did i ever come to london she asked herself with a curious wonder at her own folly the cup of pleasure being drained to the dregs had left an after flavour of exceeding bitterness she looked back to those sweet peaceful days at hawley to that springtime of life and love when her heart had been exultant with a girl's triumph in her first important conquest and remembered how averse malcolm ford had been to the idea of this visit and for such empty trifles for the vapid pleasures of a london season a few balls a few picnics at best 
only the old holly dances and picnics upon a larger scale she had jeopardized that dearest treasure for so childish a vanity as seeing this unknown world of good society she had imperiled and lost the confidence of her lover other tomorrows came and faded and still there was no sign of relenting on the part of malcolm ford and still the girl's white face and absent manner forbade the admission of visitors lord paulyn was impatient sullen even with a sense of injury as if he had been an accepted lover unduly kept at bay upon one particular afternoon feeling his disappointment acutely he had brought a fresh bouquet of stephanotis and maidenhair every afternoon waxen blossoms which had bloomed and languished unheeded by elizabeth's dull eyes he gave free utterance to his vexation and in a communicative mood poured his griefs into the maternal bosom of mrs chevenix it was uncommonly hard he urged that after all he had put up with and gone through the amount of nonsense he had stood from miss luttrell she should throw him over the bridge for a parson fellow like that man at hawley my dear lord paulyn replied mrs chevenix with a confidential air bending her head a little nearer to the young man as he sat a cheval on his favourite poof and by that gracious movement besprinkling him lightly with powder de marechal that engagement is one which i have a secret conviction cannot be enduring if i had not entertained such an opinion i should never have encouraged i will go farther and say i would never have sanctioned your frequent presence in this house no this with a lofty air as of sublimest virtue i have too much regard for what is due to myself as well as to you i am no slave of rank or wealth if i did not think that you were eminently suited to my niece and mr ford as eminently unsuited to her i should not have lent my support to an intimacy which could have but one result elizabeth is a girl whom to know is to love i'm not sure about that said the young man not deeply moved by this solemn address she's rather a queer girl take her altogether fools a man to the top of his bent one day and snubs him the next gives herself no end of airs as if the world and everybody in it had been made to order for her but she's the handsomest woman in london and she has a peculiar way of her own that no man could stand against i hadn't known her a fortnight before i made up my mind i'd marry her but i didn't go to work rashly for all that i left hawley without committing myself gave myself time to find out if it was a serious case with me mrs chevenix gave a little impatient sigh if you had been a shade less cautious and had spoken out at once you might have prevented this foolish affair with mr ford she said yes but i pride myself upon knowing what i'm about not putting my horse at a fence unless i know what's on the other side of it and the worst of this ford business is that she's desperately fond of him has owned as much to me and gloried in owning it a girl's delusion said mrs chevenix soothingly the romance of an hour which will vanish like a summer cloud when the charm of novelty is gone 
she has some foolish exalted idea of mr ford's character a half-religious hallucination that is not likely to last long i hope not replied the viscount in his matter-of-fact way at any rate i mean to stand my ground only it's rather wearing for a man's temper i wanted the whole business settled and done with by the end of the season i've all manner of engagements for my yachts and stable i must be at good wood at the end of this month and i've a sailing match at havre the first week in august then come german steeplechases i've wasted more time than i ever wasted in my life before upon this affair be assured of my entire sympathy murmured mrs chevenix of course i know you are all there answered the hapless lover carelessly i've known all along you'd be on my side it isn't likely you'd back that platter by which contemptuous apathy described his rival but i should like to see the wind-up of this engagement or almost savagely i should like to get elizabeth luttrell out of my head and be my own man again mrs chevenix shuddered this hint of a sudden wrench a violent effort to emancipate himself on the part of the viscount filled her soul with consternation i'm doing very wrong she exclaimed with a sudden gush of friendship it is a breach of confidence for which i shall hardly be able to forgive myself but i can't bear to see you suffer and to withhold knowledge that might be consolatory i have reason to believe that the engagement between my niece and mr ford is at an end what cried reginald paulyn she has thrown him off she has served him as she serves everybody else blown hot one day and cold the next i have reason to believe that they have quarrelled mrs chevenix said mysteriously what has she seen him lately she has and since i have gone so far on the impulse of the moment prompted only by my sympathy with your depth of feeling i must still go farther the quarrel was about you mr ford had seen some paragraph associating your names a marriage in high life something absurd of that kind yes i know sinkmar showed me the newspaper it was his doing i fancy mrs sinkmar's has taken me under her wing and no doubt inspired the paragraph with the notion that it might bring matters to a crisis it has produced a crisis said mrs chevenix solemnly and a very painful one for elizabeth the poor girl is utterly crushed she was so fond of that beggar uttered lord paulyn gloomily perhaps not so much on that account as for the humiliation involved in such an idea to be accused of having played fast and loose of having encouraged your attentions while she was engaged to him and now between you both she finds herself abandoned standing alone in the world perhaps the mark for slander abandoned standing alone cried lord paulyn starting up from his low chair as if he would have rushed off at once in quest of a marriage license why she must know that i am ready to marry her to-morrow this was just the point at which mrs chevenix could afford to leave him my dear young friend she exclaimed moderate your feelings i entreat she is not a girl to be taken by storm let her recover from the shock she has received then while her heart is still sore wounded weary with a sense of its own emptiness 
then urge your suit once more and i have little doubt that you will conquer that the contrast between your generous all-confiding affection and mr ford's jealous tyranny will awaken the purest and truest emotions of her heart this was a more exalted style of language than reginald paulin cared about a kind of thing which in his own simple and forcible vocabulary he denominated humbug but the main fact was pleasing to him elizabeth had dismissed or had been deserted by her plighted lover the ground was cleared for himself End of Book Two, Chapter Seven. Recording by John Brandon.